Damn right. Um, I was going to tell you two things. I finally saw it, first of all. And the I, original or the movie? The no, new the, one. the new one that just came out. Okay. And you cool. saw it. You said you saw it, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I loved it. What did you oh, think? I, oh, I loved it. It felt like it was a combination between, like, you know, The Goonies and Stranger Things and Stand By Me and, like, a horror movie. It was the perfect combination. All the and Nightmare on Elm Street is oh, the way I thought. It was great. I, I loved it. I yeah. thought that was so fun. The kids were perfect. They were mm-hmm. perfectly cast. Yeah. And the kid from... I thought it was funny how the kid from Stranger Things... Finn Wolfhard, yep. uh, kind of played like the Corey Feldman character. That's like yeah. the smartass, the you know? mouthy. Yeah. Oh my god, he's so great. Oh, so great. I, uh, I mean, it, I know that Stranger Things is about to season two is about to drop, but but it makes me actually like nervous because I liked the rated Rness of the way the thirteen year old kids talked in this movie. That it won't I don't know I'll be, I feel like I might be disappointed or let down that they're not making your mom jokes all the time yeah, no, that's the thing I always love about Stephen King books is even when he writes about kids it's like it's it's not you know with a you know touch that he's trying to keep it innocent or something like that like he writes kids like kids really are I always feel like which exactly is, that is how 13 year olds talk when they're trying to be cool in front of their friends absolutely 100% totally um, the other thing is we went to um Salem, Massachusetts this weekend. Uh, Ooh, I, cool. I think I mentioned that before that you did. it was something I was going to do, but we went up there. Unfortunately, I did not realize that it happened to be the same weekend as this giant motorcycle rally with like 6,500 <laughs> motorcycles, which was fine, right. but it just happened to like really take away from like the quaint um, creepiness that I was hoping for. Yeah, there's like a bunch of du- bald dudes in of leather coven. jackets, le- leather vests walking around and it like... It wasn't quite the, uh, yeah, like the, I really wanted to get like that Halloween spooky mood from it. Didn't quite get that. But that's still, that's okay. It was still fun to like see, you know, the history of it and um, the witches' monuments and all the graveyards and stuff. It was getting me into the Halloween Halloween spirit, which I always uh, dig. <clears throat> Maybe witches just look a little different than you thought. Maybe they do. Okay, so since Halloween is coming up, remind me at the end I want to ask you a Halloween-related question um, one more get to the very end okay okay cool cool all right you ready to do this Um, let's go ahead and do it good evening everybody and welcome to this american horror story an unofficial podcast about the fx hit show american horror story I am your host, Tyler Moss, here with my co-host. Chris Husted. What's going on, everyone? Happy, uh, well, I guess it depends when you listen to this, but happy uh, midway point through the season. Happy midway point. Um, how do we feel about their continuing to be, because uh, this is only 11 episodes again, right? I just looked at this, so we're going to get just the whole season uh, ending in November, so 11 weeks in a row. And it ends uh, the Tuesday before things. Thanksgiving? No, two Tuesdays before Thanksgiving. Is two right? Tuesdays before Thanksgiving, like November twelfth or something. Yeah. It goes by so quickly when they don't have breaks like that. It's kind of weird. It's kind of sad because it just condenses it all, which is fine. You know, TV shows do that, but it used to stretch all the way into like deep December, didn't it? When we had thirteen, yeah, because they would take get, a like, break, a couple weeks off, and then we yeah. come back in January, February for like the last three or four. I I have mixed feelings because on the one hand, I feel like we had you know. It, this helps you kind of like not forget what's going on. You stay more in the narrative when it's this way. But on the other hand, obviously, it doesn't stretch out the season and you can't have as much time to really enjoy it. So, And I feel like it, maybe it's better for them because Ryan Murphy has like 17 shows that he works on. So this, you know, moves it along so he can do a nut, drop a season of something else in the in January, a new season of something else. True, which is the Gianni Versace. Versace murder. Murder. American crime. Yeah, which looks like it'll be really good too, honestly. Um and he's so involved in all the different shows he does, too. I mean, no wonder. He's he's very hands-on. Um, okay, before we begin, as always, we encourage you guys to check us out on Facebook at This American Horror Story. Uh, sorry, facebook.com slash This American Horror Story. And to email us at thisamericanhorrorstory at gmail.com. And then uh, rating us and reviewing us on iTunes. We really appreciate that. Um, that's how a lot of people uh, find us is through search on iTunes and stuff like that. So the more reviews you guys give us, the more out there we get and the more we can kind of build our 
American Horror Story horror community and keep these conversations going, which is awesome. And of course, it's awesome that you guys join us on Facebook and all that. Oh my gosh, um, everyone stepped it up on Facebook so much. I can't, I, I can't get to everything anymore. It's so crazy. It's, it's, a, it's a good problem to have. You oh, get to everything, fun. though. I get into it. I, lo- I love going and, like, I think we, we were having a live, some of us were having a live conversation last night about some of the things going on in the episode, so that was a lot of fun. <laughs> nerd alert. Um, total nerd alert. Uh, let's talk about, before we begin, I wanted to share, um, I think this was from an email. Amber had brought up that, uh, you know, we've talked about a lot of the different connections in this season to other horror movies as homages. We've talked about connections in this season to past seasons. One of the other things I wanted, uh, she wanted to point out is this season's connections to the show Glee. Oh. Uh, I think I watched like the first maybe two or three seasons of Glee and then it was just like Max show for me and things started to fall off. Um, so I was not as deep into that show as obviously I am an American Horror Story. So I'm not as uh, literate in that sense. Did you watch that show at all? Glee? I've seen a bit of it, but not all of it. I was never consistent. So some of the connections, we, we pointed out the slushy thing, which was, I think yep. you had noticed that back at the beginning of this season when Kai throws a latte on Ivy and Alley. Um, but some of the other ones that uh, Amber pointed out was that um, in Glee, there are two siblings, Blaine and Cooper Anderson. Um, Cooper was a TV personality, and I think that was played by Matt Bomer, actually. And Blaine was a <laughs> our main character. Um, <laughs> I remember Blaine. That's um, Darren Chris's character who's going to be in uh, Versace. Crime story, yeah. Um, so their last name was Anderson, same as Kai and Winter. Uh, there were also two unrelated characters on Glee whose last names were Chang, Mike and mm-hmm. Tina. Both of them are main characters. And, of course, we've had a number of different characters with the last name Chang, both this season on the city council and last season the mm-hmm. family that occupied the house in Rome. Oh, that's right. So they're kind of sharing so some of the names creative. there. They're either they're not very creative with coming up with last names or maybe there's a connection. <laughs> well, Amber's idea was maybe, you know, it's kind of a fun idea that it's all the same weird twisted universe or they're not very creative i think it depends how you feel about things which way you want to go with it um she also pointed out that there's the mott name in american horror story of course that was dandy's family and there was a character in glee whose name was sugar mata or something like that who was um oh Oh, yeah yeah i remember that so yeah so so she's a little bit nuts kind of like dandy was all the way nuts so who knows maybe there's some implied relations and stuff there. So I thought that was kind of fun. And, of course, in this season, I think we get um, a couple other Glee... Um, or, no, sorry, just one other Glee character came back the, um, who played uh, Coach Beast on Glee, Dot Marie yep, Jones. Yep, Dot Marie Jones. I recognized yeah. her as one of the um, members of uh, Valerie's cult. She, she's one of the yeah. scum members, too. So that was kind of a fun little cameo, although I kind of wish we'd gotten a bigger part from her. But we'll talk yeah, about more great. about that as we go on. Um, without further ado, I think we should go ahead and dive into uh, Valerie Solanus, Died for Your Sins, Episode 7. But before we do, let's get into our uh, into the mood. What are you drinking this evening? I have a hard cider, a dry hard cider by Woodchuck. I haven't tried this before, so I'm excited to share it with y'all tonight. What are you drinking? I'm drinking uh, bourbon and cider, but on the rocks, a little bit of ice, not hot this week because I'm getting over my cold, almost. You can probably hear a little bit of my voice, but, you know, upgraded to the ice. So, nice. feeling fall, feeling good. Cheers. Still not too cold yet. Cheers. Now, June 3rd, 1968. The cold open. Um, let's talk about uh, Lena Dunham getting a, a sad bang in a car in a parking lot uh it was funny because well it wasn't funny but stephanie and i were like just saw you know the car rocking and the first thing stephanie said was oh that doesn't look loving this was before we even knew they were having sex Ah. in the car it's just the car rocking it's like yeah that that definitely makes it seem like she's a prostitute turns out that was the case she was from what i understand uh raising money for a gun was that the point of why she was Oh, I I, I I guess I missed that. I, I knew she. I thought she was just like banging a dude for money, but that makes a lot more sense. When when I saw this cold open, I was like, oh, it's like an episode of Girls. Here we go. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, we get a little Evan Peters as Andy Warhol. We get Lena as Valerie yep. Solanas. Yeah, this was fun. I like. Yeah. This. Um, and it, there was a there was a bunch of fun little things kind of in this flashback here. We had the her script. Uh, you know, she's mad at. 
Warhol for not reading her script titled Up Your Up Your Ass, I think it was what it was called. <laughs> yep, Up Your Ass. Uh, do you know if that was real or if that's like a real thing or if that was just something they threw in? It, it was funny either way. I enjoyed it. Um, and then, of course, the big Warhol dig that kind of is sets the tone for this the whole theme of this episode is, you know, you know women can't be serious artists. And it's kind of the misogyny that's inherent. Right. Um, I really, I don't know what what you thought, but I really enjoyed like the camera angles in the elevator when she's waiting in there and uh, Andy Warhol comes in and then, you know, we finally um, get to the actual crux of the scene where she shoots him and says down with the patriarchy and, you know, we have him bleeding out. Obviously people who are familiar with that history know Warhol survived that. But uh, man, what are your thoughts on this opening? What was your thought? Let's, okay, so I want to save your thoughts on Lena Dunham as... Uh, Valerie oh, Solanas right. until the very end, until we get to the review. But I want to hear what your thoughts on Evan Peters and Andy Warhol are right now. Uh, Andy Warhol, I thought it was. I thought it was actually pretty great. I liked. I liked him. I thought he was fun. Um, he totally like hammed it up in a way. Uh, overall, like this, these flashback sequences and a lot of and a lot of what's happening currently uh, in the in this world in the season. You know, the actors can kind of camp it up. And when you're given a character like Andy Warhol, you gotta turn the dial up, and Evan Peters does just to the point where it's almost like over the top. But it, I think he lands it really well. I I, I was into it, and I'm and I can be kind of judgy on Evan Peters. He doesn't always like do it for me in some of his characters. Some of them because his characters are shitty. Some because I don't know. I just I'm not sold completely. Um, but I thought he was pretty fun as Andy Warhol. What do you think? I agree with you. I also like yeah, him. Yeah, you love it. You love him. Yeah, I, I, not in everything, again. I mean, I feel like there's definitely, I mean, it's debatable whether it's his fault or whether it's the writing's fault, but there's definitely been roles that we have seen in which um, he hasn't exactly shined, I don't think. Uh, Kyle, for instance. Mm-hmm. But I will say that uh, I, I enjoyed him as Andy Warhol. I personally don't know that much about Andy Warhol, and I haven't seen a lot of the other films. I think there was real mixed response on him as Andy Warhol uh, on some of our social media. But I thought he was fun. He seemed very aloof. Uh, you kind of got the, I, you know, I guess in my interpretation, you know, obviously this was setting the <coughs> stage for things to come later in the episode, but you kind of also got the feel for, like, the the cult of Warhol, the kind of this cult of cool that he cult of cool, yep. Kind of good way to put it, yep. Um, puts off, and then of course you know the stabbing words about you know women not being as talented as men, obviously. Right. Um, also, any other your ass was a real thing, by the way. Interesting, interesting. That's that was it was such a fascinating time period. All this, um, and it's very typical of us as turds to not know our Valerie's um, Solanus works of uh, art it that's, was a play that she wrote yes that's true yeah the, bet, pour on us for being misogynist a-holes I guess on that one uh, I did. I mean I did a little research into the scum manifesto but I didn't look if uh, to see if up your ass was a real play so this was a this was there was so much information well we'll go into it but there's so much information um, in these in these flashbacks that I usually do take notes about like oh I'm gonna look that up and check that out this one was so hard because it was quite the revisionist history <laughs> Uh, that I, after a half of halfway through, I was like, oh, I'm giving up because I don't know what's true and what's not anymore. <laughs> I mean, I know it. I knew it would definitely not was true, but right. Anyway, we kind which of is part um, of why this episode's cool. Yeah, we we we. I don't want to say um, backed into. I don't know if that's the right word, but we we came into kind of a common uh, American horror story device, which is of course the um, flashback. Now we had some flashbacks already, but these flashbacks that we've had so far have only been you know a few months here and there. This is the historical flashback I feel like we have had since season one, probably. You know, it's a, it's a device that's pretty common. They really enjoy kind of doing these, these period pieces, which I do think are... I have a lot of... I enjoy them a lot of times for kind of the glimpse into a different time period. I do feel like sometimes they can not really line up with the storyline, and they can sometimes seem as if they're just kind of masturbatory or something like that you know they're just like oh we want to go have fun with this you know event from the past let's get weird. and it's let's not necessarily a connection exactly and so let's reserve judgment till the end on that but i'm curious to hear your thoughts on whether you felt like this one in particular lined up because i think sometimes it has sometimes it hasn't yeah i mean we one of my favorite seasons was asylum and asylum did had a lot of random characters pop in for two episodes and we would get flashbacks and 
and things about these characters. Uh, and that was the one season where that you know we talked about you know them throwing everything against the wall uh, and seeing what sticks. Um, then they kept doing that, and it's like okay, you know, that can only be successful like one or two times when it's just shit's just crazy. This one, it's mu- it seems much more calculated and tailored to the overall story. Um, we get a flashback from a character who we just met, um, also, which yay, Francis Conroy. Um, so because it's a, it's kind of her story that she's uh, telling, um, uh, her her history, her story, <laughs> um, to the the group of women. Uh, you know, we we don't know it's her story that she's telling in the cold open but we get to that and that's why we're hearing it and it's uh, it works for the overall story so yes that was a roundabout way of saying i think it did work i liked it i think it was a little long i would have condensed it but i liked it it worked absolutely so of course jumping back to the modern day we kind of get the immediate aftermath of things the um how things played out following the mass shooting right we learned that Allie. Sarah Paulson, was not actually convicted. There was video of Meadow committing the crime, which makes sense. I think it would have... We said someone's got to have their cell phone out. It would have been a little bit far-fetched if they had somehow really pinned it on Allie. And I think it's interesting that we kind of had an episode completely away from her, and then we're going to come back. Um, it gives us, some, I think, some necessary distance from that character just because she has been so exasperating to this point. Right. I, I did not mind having another break. It seems like I can take her in small doses. It's nice to have that. Um, and then, of course, we had you know Harrison reading kind of the statement, it seemed like, of you know Meadow having been a Hillary supporter and having hated Kai and all this, obviously indicating that he was involved, or at least... He was made aware of some of the uh, background on um, what Kai's plan was involving Meadow. Right. Which I thought was somewhat interesting, too. Um, and then, uh, you know, we had talked about this last episode. This is kind of the opportunity that Kai wanted to elevate his um, platform to a higher level. He gets retweeted by Eric Trump or whatever. And, yeah. uh, that's funny. you know, we, we see him appearing on all the different more national news shows that are kind of, you know, in another way, I think that this is, that was an effective device, not only in kind of showing, you know, how quickly Kai was able to grow in, um, kind of presence nationally and kind of drawing more followers, but it also kind of shows how quickly, um, that, um, shit, I'm sorry. I realized that my, I didn't have the recording on, on this one again. I had it on the phone again. I don't know if it's been stopping for some reason or not, but now it's definitely going. So. And we're back. So I'm curious to hear, I mean, I guess what you thought about, you know, Kai's overall plan here. Obviously he was successful in what he was doing, but we, I mean, we had the emergence of the man cult, right? Um, you know, we the see white man cult. the white man cult. We see, you know, the area Beverly, cult. Beverly Hope go and, and see these guys and they kind of have the fashy haircuts and the denim button downs all the way to the top. They kind of have that alt right look. Um, you know, we see guys in the living room are kind of doing a fight club type thing. I, that It's totally what made this made me think of when they're like <laughs> slapping the guy in the face. Uh, you know, Beverly's obviously very uncomfortable with the dynamic in that house and it becomes clear that. You know, she wasn't actually in on the Meadow plot, even though she was purported or, or she thought that she had the same status as Kai, because that's Equal what power, he had kind yep. of insinuated. So, I mean, what is, where is Kai's head at this point in terms of, I mean, not thinking ahead to how this episode ends, but just where were you on terms of thinking what's going on with, with Kai's cult? What's he trying to do at this point now that he's built his stature up? Right, I think he established himself through exploiting these original cult members like Met, uh, like Meadow, Winter, Harrison, Beverly, Chaz's Bo- Chaz Bono's name. I already forget. Gary, 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 um, Ivy, <coughs> and now that he's become nationally known or infamous, uh, 
uh, he's gained notoriety because he was a, there was an assass- assassination attempt on him by a Hillary Clinton supporter. He now has the gaggle of, you know, crazies <laughs> from across the country who have bought into his message. Who now he doesn't have to go recruit them. That what happened, what he orchestrated was a recruiting device to get them to come volunteer, as he says. Um, so now he's got people all over the country, kind of like, you know, you see in elections when people latch on to a politician and it becomes like their idol or who, like someone who can save them or, or sees them and, and they want to see this person win. So that's where we're at right now, where he's going to go with these people. Um, I, I still think he's trying to work his way up the political ladder. Like he wants a better office. So I'm not sure how he's going to do that. But it doesn't look like there's a lot of room for Beverly or the other ladies uh, at this point, uh, especially as Beverly has a hard time get, even getting into the house and getting right. down to the basement. I mean, I think before, like, the the line that stuck out <laughs> in this episode to me, uh, right up there with, I think you probably know what I'm going to say, too, um, it, it's the um, surprise bitch of, of Coven was when the when the white bro is like like who are you and she's like i'm beverly motherfucking hope and you better get out of my way i was like oh i liked it there's dina porter that was badass beverly's so, a great character yeah, yeah but these these probably uh entitled bros are now serving kai what did, i mean does that kind of sound right to you that sounds well yes that does sound right I, well i want to before i kind of throw out some thoughts i had i want to ask what you thought in terms of was this crowd kind of the boys club that he's developed? Is this by design? Do you think is this by Kai's design, or was it a strategy? You know, or was it just something that kind of came with what you know how, how the events transpired? This is just how things came together. I imagine that Kai isn't dumb enough that he doesn't know who would be the people who would come out and support him once his message became national. So. I don't, yeah, I don't think he's like, oh, wow, it's all a bunch of white guys. I think he knew that it would happen. Um, and I think he knows that white men have a lot more privilege in getting things done in business and in, and in the political world than, you know, people of color, women, uh, any, anyone from a d- different background than a white man. So I think he knew, and he knows... Probably that's the quickest way to for him to run up the ladder too, right? Because I was thinking sad. about yeah. I mean, I was thinking about this too, and I was considering why he, you know, what his goal was here when he seemed like he had such committed followers and Beverly and some of these other people that. And we had talked about this last episode how he was going to need to do, get some like recruits they're murdering because, people for because yeah because people and his his crew kept dying, and so I was kind of thinking, well, what was you know why would this be you know why would he replace these people with the, with kind of a new crowd and i think you make a good point that obviously he's learning from what he sees on a broader political context about the kind of you know the type of crowd that seems in his mind at least and clearly you know in this world he is correct that he can attract through the kind of messaging he's giving out he has seen that it's possible if you put out this kind of message these are the kind of people that are going to follow you in return and so it might not necessarily be true to his beliefs, but it's kind of the persona he's adopted in order to get this bigger following that maybe is even more blindly devoted to him than even you know, some of the crew has been, even though they are killing people for him. We've had quite a few of them who've been questioning things since kind of the beginning. And fundamentally, a lot of them do have kind of different belief tenets, even though they, they followed him for his charisma. We know that Winter and we know that Ivy um, have sincerely different beliefs than him. Beverly's kind of an X factor because she just doesn't seem to believe in fucking anything, which I think is partly what makes her kind of an interesting character. Because as she says mm-hmm. in this episode, we were all about just burning shit down. Um, I don't. I think she's she's fascinating. I I am a big fan of her. Um, now let's talk about Frances Conroy. Thrilled to have her back. Uh, what? How did you feel about? Um, she had some really fun. She always gets so, such she's fun. She's so lines. great. Uh, I think so she calls Beverly a man, like a man's puppet, and you know all this. 
bb babbitt um and, and like in her hood and her cigar too that was like clearly they made it like such a dramatic i loved the reveal it was so dramatic and yeah um Beverly's like, I don't do this like dramatic thing. Like, you know, what's up? What what do you need? Like, I have a gun. I don't know. But it was awesome. Yeah, first she's Im- so good. First impressions. What did you think? Uh, when the her head came up with the hood and and the cigar, uh, it was I don't know. It was just so like I I like pumped my fist from the couch. I was so excited. Um, and then the way she talked and delivered her lines. It was it was just great. I was I'm excited to see what this character was gonna do. But I knew that Beverly was going to buy into whatever she's selling at some point. I just didn't think it would happen this quickly. Right. I mean I think that it's fun with a show like this that has come after this many seasons to kinda know the cast members that fans really you know, you have like cast members that you're you you enjoy whether it's Sarah Paulson or Evan Peters or whoever, but I think there's certain cast members who are like when they when they step in, it's like the, it's like the creators of the show know it's like a grand entrance because people are so excited to see them because they're so yeah. much fun. Like Angela I didn't Bassett know who that was another be, one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. and then they show up, you're like, yes, right. So we and had done Mayor some speculation. Didn't get that in this season. In this season, and again, she was sorely underutilized, but I think she's becoming a favorite as well. Yeah, I mean, but she anyway, hasn't had back, as prominent back, back a role as uh, Frances yeah. Conroy and Angela Bassett and Kathy Bates and all these have in past seasons either. But yeah, yeah, you're right. I think she's on that trajectory too. We had speculated originally that um, there was maybe going to be some kind of alternate universe in which Valerie survived and Frances Conroy was going to be playing Valerie. I, I kind of like this approach better where it was, you know, her lover. <coughs> I um, do too. And she was an acolyte more of... Valerie than mm-hmm. she, you know, than it was kind of alternate history. Although, I mean, obviously, like you said, we did have quite a bit of revisionist history in this retelling. <laughs> but I guess the idea behind that is supposed to be, you know, well, it could have, it could have been true, um, right? But we we get a real background, at least at the beginning, on actual history. You know, the Scum Manifesto being the radical. Um, treatise that it kind of was from the you know 1967 and we have that room full of women who are so empowered by it and you have kind of the couple guys who feel like they've been mistreated by the world especially at that time considering what social norms were mm-hmm. um, i didn't realize that scum stood for society for cutting up men which i thought was kind of brutal and fascinating so that was enjoyable. yeah uh and I didn't – so also I, I don't remember if they mentioned – or if they explicitly mentioned this, but I did just kind of been reading up on it that the Scum Manifesto's, like, overall goal – it was kind of satir- – like, it was debated what, how satirical it really was um, because it was, you know, it had actual philosophical points and real social concerns. But, you know, in the end, I think the Scum Manifesto's idea was that you should go ahead and kill all men and eliminate the male sex entirely or something like that. It was kind of like a – you know, some kind of fantasy there. But I think that from what I was (coughs) reading, it kind of has had its own following since then. Uh, You know, it's had a lot of different translations and it's kind of evolved into other people's philosophies and that sort of thing. And it was fun to get a return of uh, Jamie Brewer, uh, even though, you know, it was only a very short cameo. Um, Dot Marie Jones, who we said again was was probably underutilized, but still fun to see her. She, this was her first time in American Horror Story, wasn't it? I believe so. Yeah, I don't think I've seen her in this. Before. She was in Glee, like we said, but yeah, I haven't seen her. And she was also in another show I used to watch way back in the day. And also, don't quote me on this, but I think her and Sarah Paulson used to date. Did they? I think I'm not. I, mm. Again, don't quote me on that. But I think. Yeah. I read that. So. We'll have to look into that. <laughs> well, they have a perfect place to put it out, the fake news, right, on this podcast. <laughs> so You heard it here first, or you didn't hear it at all. Pick your poison. So it's my impression, if we're thinking of, you know, why, how, does this, how does this flashback play into the themes of this season, aside from the fact that, you know, BB is there to turn the women against the men. I guess what we were seeing, in my interpretation, was Valerie kind of being a female version of a cult leader, right? I mean, you're kind of, it seems like, you know, we talk about all these cult leaders from history, whether it's Jim Jones or whether it's Charles Manson and all this different kind of stuff, and obviously you have these charismatic men. So I, 
my impression was that this was supposed to be our version of seeing a charismatic woman in that position. Right, right. Or, yeah, a cult, quote-unquote, in a way that is full of women who want to take down a cult <laughs> that men have typically dominated in the cult world that men typically dominate, yes. So, yeah, it's interesting. And, and that's kind of part of the manifesto is, you know, we have to fight them with their own weapons. Right. So it's kind of mirroring that. Exactly. And, I mean, I would say that the this episode felt like a not only a throwback in terms of, you know, bringing in the uh, flashbacks of past seasons, but kind of a, a throwback in terms of bringing in the campiness of past seasons, too. Mm-hmm. When you have kind totally. of all the women donning, you know, they're all donning the um, the hoods and they're going and murdering the couples and basically taking on the persona of the Zodiac Killer. Le- oh, my God. That was so ridiculous. I loved it. And it was interesting. I mean, you have kind of the like the picnic scene where they you know that they stab the people at the picnic like that was very reminiscent of like the twisty scene from the beginning it's of this such a yeah point. that's like that's so tw- we've done it like three times with twisty at this point i feel like <laughs> so many people dying in picnics in this show oh so um, great though and then you know of course the, the tables get turned on him ultimately as some guy ends up taking credit for all their murders which here's my question for it's you it's so funny that's exactly what I was about to say. Is but is it intentionally funny? I feel like it is. I, think I mean, I feel is, like it's supposed yeah. to be momentous, but if if like, it just feels funny. <laughs> it's it does feel fun. I mean, it's satirical in a way. It's like you know you 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 know these women work so hard to get something, and of course a dude swoops in and takes the credit for it. You know, and I and I think it's funny because it's obviously they were not the Zodiac killers. Like I love that. That's like kind of what they're painting in this world. I think it's hilarious because it's just so crazy and over the top ridiculous that it, I was having fun in this episode. Um, so at, at, because I was in that mindset when it comes through when she's like so pissed off that some dude's taking credit for being the Zodiac by sending, as we know in history, um, clues uh, through the newspaper, she gets so pissed. And it's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, it just sucks. Yeah, it, it was, was funny. It was funny, um, and then I mean, you, you have some brutal scenes in there with the, you know the way they murder people, the way that they end up, the guy that they find out is the actual Zodiac in their group, how the way they like, oh god, god, yeah, absolutely slaughter him and put him in pieces and the symbol of the Zodiac and all that. And I thought that you know obviously this goes from a funny sequence into kind of a you know a pretty serious, yeah. Um, ultimate ending where you have bb having you know all the rest of the people and bb finally having left uh valerie and her kind of descending into her schizophrenia and having that kind of exchange with andy warhol um in which she's kind of in in a way kind of hallucinating yeah redresses kind of like the the real political points behind her manifesto which is you know why are men so scared of little girls and, and the power of women and all this absolutely um I thought it was a really interesting point that they ended up making that, you know, when people hear her, you know, how how they're talking about how Andy Warhol ended up kind of stealing her legacy in the end, you know, despite the other things she did, you know, she the, only thing, they're, things. Yeah, the only thing they're going to associate yeah, her exactly. with is the fact that she shot, you know, she was his attempted assassin, which, you know, that's the first thing we talked about when we looked it up last week is that that's, yep. that's who that character was. That's so, how she's known, yeah. In my opinion, I thought this was the... I thought that in this final scene, this exchange, that exchange between um, Andy Warhol, Evan Peters, and, and Liam Dunham as Valerie, I thought that that was Lena's strongest scene. I actually thought she did a pretty good job there. Um, what did you, I mean, what did you, uh, at the end we can comment more on what we thought of her as a whole, but what did you, what did you take away from kind of all these different exchanges and how that led into what's going on now in the cult with the, with the female members and Kai? Right. Um, you know, I, I think they're, they're, I don't, we're not at the point with Kai yet, but with, at least with Valerie, what it culminates in is, you know, she's spilling out this list. Like she's like Hugh Hefner and um, like Billy Graham. Bobby Riggs, and, yeah. Steve McQueen. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I love it. Um, and Ali McGraw, like he took Ali, Steve McQueen took Ali McGraw from us, which is hilarious. So her crew's scattering and, um, 
you know, Valerie. I, oh, yeah, oh, I, yeah, I agree with you about Lean in that final sequence. It was really great. Um, but I, the whole idea, I think, of introducing BB to the group is to have that splinter group. Um, you know, I, the last scene kind of throws all of, all of my theories I had throughout this <laughs> episode off, but was to have a reason for them to splinter off um, for, you know, I, I like the idea of this kind of all ladies um, getting together because they have all been played by Kai. And, you know, we'll go into a little bit more. The conversation that Kai and Winter have, I think, was incredibly illuminating yeah um about their relationship what kai actually wants and who he's willing to to so anyway where he's at right now is i don't think he no longer yeah i don't think he uh, no longer needs them yeah i mean you have these dueling cults and i you know at first i was a little skeptical of this because i felt like well if they're that care you know if kai's that charismatic and they're that invested in the cult why would they be so quick to turn on him on the one hand but when i really thought about it more kai is the one who is pushing them away it's not as if mm-hmm. you know he it's not as if they're having a you know epiphany that all of a sudden you know he's been fucking with them the whole time the what he's basically you know done is decided well these i've got more useful minions than these people now now we learn that it, that is part of his ultimate plan is to push them away at the very end of this episode but right. and you know can you remind me if i'm wrong but um so i um, all, all, all the ladies who are present time, they were all Hillary voters, right? Winter was. We know Ivy Winter and was, Ivy were. Beverly I don't know that was. we. I don't know that we know who Beverly voted for. Do we? Did we see her I in the think, booth? I wrote it down. I'm pretty. Yeah, we did, and I'm pretty sure I, I could have sworn she voted for Hillary. I'm gonna okay. check real quick because I wrote all of that down. Yeah. But yeah, and then um, uh, well, we have no idea who BB voted for, but. Here we go. What episode was it? Three. Where we saw the voting? Uh, it was the whatever one that um, Four. we yep. saw. Ivy, Beverly, and Winter all voted for HRC. Okay. So it's kind of – I mean, we're, we're splitting the cult along political lines too, which is exactly. kind of interesting. I, yeah. Yeah. And anyway, it was <clears> – <throat> it's also funny that – you know, not funny, but maybe ironic or whatever. Are, are, we, are we talking about um, – um. Um. Shoot, Lena Dunham playing this role yet? I want to let's re- we'll let's do that it. right when we do the re- okay. re- when okay. we get kind of in the review sequence. Um, anyway, the one other thing I was going to add about this is um, when they come out of the flashback, which seemed like a very long flashback. Um, BB tells them something along the lines of of, of um, Valerie getting, you know, she was chewed up and spit out. And Winter immediately says, <laughs> connecting the dots for us very uh, nicely, uh, like Meadow. And that's exactly, you know, kind of, you know, the guy played her. Like, Kai played Meadow. That's and true. Anyway. Yeah. So Yeah, that's that's the connect, you know, and all Meadow will ever be remembered for is the one who did the mass shooting at the Kai Anderson political rally. You know? Right, right. They do. Yeah. They did a lot of dot connecting for us and helping the viewer through it, which sometimes I get annoyed with. But this episode, like when 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 Meadow jumps in, like Meadow, I was like, okay, we got it. But it was yeah. fine. It was fine. Yeah. I, I, Billy Lord's great, so she can say whatever she wants. <laughs> Speaking of Billy Lord, we had that scene with Kai in the bedroom with the dead parents. Ugh. So we know at least that the parents actually died. So my, I, I, you know, we had debated whether or not what Kai's story to Beverly was, you know, whether that was true. Now. I think that it's clear, obviously, that aspects of the story are true. His parents are actually just dead skeletons in that bedroom. But mm-hmm. we don't really know that he feels the remorse he does and actually has those feelings he he kind of described Beverly, especially considering the dynamic they had in this episode. I think it's fair to say that he was probably putting on an act for her. Right. And he t- and we, <laughs> I, know, we know that he does tend to tell any, everybody kind of what they want to hear for the most part. Yeah, he, he he's uh, he in that whole sequence. I mean, he, the whole conversation, the monologue he's having, uh, is you know, am I worthy of this responsibility? <clears throat> and he's like, the crown is heavy, and I have so many hard decisions I've made, and more hard ones even coming. Uh, when he said that, I was like, uh oh, is he gonna turn on Winter here? Um, it was interesting. And then he starts I, getting creepy. It was, yeah, it was kind of like it was very poetic, you know, in in that sense. Um, you got kind of the 
maybe some of the Ozymandias vibe that we've been talking about, you know, about how, you know, these, he, he's considering, you know, the weight of ruling and what's going to last and what's not and how, you know, how his decisions at this point have such vast implications across all this stuff. Um, but clearly, again, he's also just playing his sister. You know, when he pulls out the scum manifesto at the end, it's like, you can't take anything the guy says seriously. Yeah. He, he, was, he had an agenda this whole time here. I mean, he when he's talking to her, he says, you know, I all my all my followers, all my followers, all those people, you know, I I, I tell them what they need to hear. You know, I just say what they need to hear here. But we're family. You and I are family. And like, hey, yeah, that's wake bullshit. up. Don't don't fall for that. He's exactly doing what he just said he did. He does, which is he is telling you what you want to hear, which is you are family, and he wouldn't treat you differently, or he 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 sees you differently. He treats you special. Right. It's exactly. But she's she's smart. Well, Ish. And, I, and I thought it was you know it was he does the exact same thing. You know, we talk about hitting you over the head kind of. He does the same thing that you know Andy Warhol appropriate you know. Um, to Valerie kind of dynamic talking about how, you know, he's going to reappropriate the idea of the scum manifesto as like some acronym, like fear is truth or men lead women bleed or whatever. Kind of yeah. That. He says that. And that, that, and I was like, Oh, whoa. Once he said that, it's like, okay, he's definitely like messing with her. And yeah, clearly a threat. Yeah. And then like, and then he throws Harrison under the bus and says, Oh yeah. Harrison came up with that one. But I didn't. I don't know about you. I didn't believe for a half second that fucking Harrison had come up with that. I I I, I did for a half second. How about that? I was like, oh, because Harrison's been crazy lately. Like he's been. I mean, he's a white man, even though he's mm-hmm. marginalized because he's a gay man. But he definitely has been really into it. He let his wife die. Shit. <laughs> right. Also, a, a, another thing important to note in this scene, we have another mention of Adderall that seems not necess- not necessary which makes you think it is necessary um mm-hmm. he talks about you know i was in your room looking for your adderall and i came across this so we know a couple different things yes. here we again Drugs. reiterate that kai is pretty much hooked on the adderall we know that winter is also on adderall and we have it mentioned again kind of unnecessarily it's like um the literary tool uh what is it chekhov's gun basically you know if you mm-hmm. mention a gun on the mantle in act one there's this and you, you just mention it there's a reason you mention it because it's going to be used by act three you're going to come back to it and i feel like something with the adderall has to come around because we've had it mentioned unnecessarily so many times it seems like there's something there i think yeah it's chekhov's medication in this situation yeah and then of course we had the final well the final scene everyone knows the... in history chekhov had adhd that's how, yeah, that's how he had the patience to sit down. How he got a gun. That's how he got a gun. Uh, that doesn't even make sense, but yeah. We, I do want to take a moment to mourn the loss of Billy Eichner. Um, I oh, thought he had yeah. a good run. I didn't expect him he to did. be the one to die. He went out in a great way, though. I'm a man! <laughs> Which, yeah. I was thinking about that. Like, it's funny. You know, it's funny that he yells that because Billy Eckner's hilarious and he's great. But he's also, you know, that's kind of, you know, a, you know, a gay man who isn't seen as a full masculine man in the eyes of society. Like, it's him kind of like, I've, I thought about this. Like, I'm like, it's, yes, he's yelling it to them. Like, he's like, I'm a man. If you're really going to save, want to save your life, you're not going to yell that at the women who are trying to kill men. <laughs> Um, but like that's him kind of I, I saw as kind of like trying to reclaim his gender his his identity as a man and and or, or who he is but not be you know dismissed or or uh, pushed down because he's not as masculine as your traditional heterosexual man right right well and the other thing you got to think is can it be is it is it really just a coincidence that this is the second time in the same episode you've had a group of angry women kill a gay man? That's a really good point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ryan Murphy, what's up? I mean, I guess, you know, they both were formerly in collaboration, but you had the man doing something to kind of undercut the women in one way or another. I mean, really, Harrison's Harrison was just a pawn of Kai's, obviously. He wasn't as, right. you know, taking real as credit for Meadow. everything. 
Yeah. yeah. Maybe it is kind of a, even though they're gay men and, you know, a lot of straight women, I, I'm generalizing big time right now, uh, love for, like, can relate and, and gaming can relate with straight women very well. You see a lot of great friendships and bonds between people. We saw, well, what we assumed Meadow and Harrison as one. Um, but deep down, um, a man is still a man uh, and can be as destructive as uh, um, a straight man. Well, and I, I mean, I guess you have the, you know, the implication that even gender dynamics, ex, you know, extend beyond what you, how you affiliate yourself in certain ways, because, you know, it takes on a larger context in society, I guess, you know, there's a, like, that's a um, good way. Yeah. Yeah. Gender roles. Uh, well, at least, you know, stereotypical gender roles. Yeah, and I did, the other thing I wanted to note about this murder scene is that Ivy got a stomach for slaughter a lot faster when it was like as kind of a female empowered retribution kind of thing. You know, we see her puking in the toilet one or two episodes ago after With a nail gun. Um, yeah, after all that stuff happens, and now we've got her being the one to literally like slice apart. Uh, like first his arm comes off, and then his head comes off. I think right, or she goes to his throat. Yeah, it was like, it, I mean, she was getting in there real up close and personal gruesome, so. Ugh, yeah. I mean, that was, that's that's that side of her, kinda, I guess. Yeah, these people go, went from zero to murder so fast. And, They're that and, broken, and, I guess. It's a TV show, I guess, yes, but. Yeah, like, but wow. I think it's also a commentary that, like, maybe more of us have a dark side to us than we, you know, that we suppress or something like that. And in the right circumstances, maybe people, if they're nudged right. in a certain way, that can come out. Um, exactly. We all have our, de- you know, we all have our demons. I think that's certainly something that we is kind of an overlying theme of the season too. Now, of course, they call the, the big, scum. yeah, Sorry. yeah, they did. Like the big reveal, scum. the final reveal. Uh, BB is in cahoots with Kai. That God okay? Damn it. <laughs> T- tell me what you tell me what you thought about this, and I'll I'll give you my take too. Um, I just you know I I I. I I love it because it's a twist, but it just reminds me, you know, maybe just because I'm enamored with Frances Conroy and whatever character she plays, I'm going to trust because I think she's awesome. And then she comes and flips it, and now she's, you know, I I was getting really excited because these women were going against the dude who I don't really like. Like, he's charismatic, Kai, he's cool in his world and stuff, but he's becoming, like, essentially a Nazi leader. Um, or a white supremacist based off of his new followers, and that's not really great. That's not a good thing in society, um, as we've learned in a lot of current history. I'm not trying to get too political here, but I think that's safe to say. <laughs> um, um, so I was excited to start rooting for this new leader, um, Francis Conroy, BB, to take these women into a different place to kind of really shake up the system. And then to turn around and have her betray me personally, because that's how I felt uh, when it comes to uh, what everything she told me and I believed in. So it's interesting. I'm 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 curious though. I as like we we could talk about this for thirty minutes. The reasons why we think she actually is betraying these women, or thirty minutes on why she's actually like um double agent here and she's actually playing Kai because she is. Or even is she even who she says she is? And was this whole thing about the Zodiac even true? I don't know. Like it was a fun episode and now I'm like, damn it, was it even real? Did this happen? What do you think? So I, I had a different <laughs> Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. And you weren't the only one. I feel like there is there was definitely a split. I I feel like when I was like I was scrolling through Twitter and all this stuff and kind of looking at people's reactions to this, mm-hmm. and I had a different reaction than you. I had mm. so so, and I'll tell you why. I got it like when I saw that she when the camera panned over and then we saw BB sitting there. I like I got like a spine tingle. And here's here's where my thought process was for this episode. And this I'm gonna kind of jump into my thoughts on kind of Lena Dunham as Valerie cool. so, as Valerie Salinas here too. Um, so up until this point, I feel like I was not as pleased with this episode as I had been with past episodes. Oh, interesting. I, I, I felt like I, 
even though we hadn't had as much of the campiness in this season, I had was kind of okay with that. I felt like we were doing something different. And while, you know, it's fun and nostalgic and all that kind of stuff, I feel like it didn't fit with kind of the tenor of the rest of the season at this point in time. Mm-hmm. My personal feeling was, while I thought that, I think that Lena did a good job in that final scene with Evan Peters where she was kind of playing the schizophrenic feminist, that I feel like was a good fit for her. The rest of it, when she was the, supposed to be the charismatic cult leader, I did not buy. I, I just, mm. I didn't, I did not buy it. I did not, okay, under, like I did not feel like her charisma when she's reading the stuff in the room in front of all the other people. I mean, she, the accent I kind of found obnoxious. I just didn't find her to be a charismatic person that people would really want to follow. So I was having trouble kind of buying into that whole perception of everything. And as this episode was kind of going on. Even though there was moments I liked in that, I kind of had this thought in the back of my mind like, okay, this is where we kind of revert to some of our past plot devices and we're just looking for, you know, we're like, well, we don't know what to do with this cult, so we're going to use this blast from the past to come up with the arbitrary reason for this woman to suddenly show up and be, you know, some kind of... Deus as uh, excuse me, <clears throat> Deus as ex machina, as somebody had put on Facebook, and kind of step in and... and uh, totally change everything up and i was like okay well this you know it just seems like we're worth we didn't know what to do so we kind of threw in this this character even though i love francis conroy we just threw in this character to that didn't really make sense why she'd just show up randomly so when that camera pans over and we see that her and kai are actually in cahoots and that all along that you know kai's original plan that he wants to burn the whole system down and all this different kind of stuff that maybe he really does have a bigger plan here it made me mm-hmm. feel like there was potentially further layers to this story that i wasn't anticipating which is i i had felt like maybe this was a little bit i felt like up until this point i had felt that way about this season but this particular season felt a little this episode up until that point had felt kind of surface to me so it was like oh maybe they're really going a different direction here now that being said i will say that the this show in the past has used twists and turns um, for the sake of twists and turns that don't necessarily make sense. I really hope that there is a good reason why they're working together, like you say, and that maybe it does have to do with like this chaos theory they're trying to employ on a broader scale. And it's not just some bullshit kind of thing to just throw additional twist in the end. Um, so that's kind of my take on it. Uh, yeah, and I, I would say I agree with you in the in the sense that it's good something like this happened right now because essentially Kai won the seat. So what now? Now now we have hints that there was a bigger plan or there's a bigger uh, uh, mission that he has that we are not privy to completely. So that is a good thing that we get you know this now. And because of Francis Conway maybe she was lying this whole time that would feel like a real waste of an episode i hope some of it's true at least because otherwise this was totally just filler bs um that was kind of fun but then you know i don't know um but now we have another bigger character who's working with kai in for the next level so i I agree with you on that i'm glad this came when it did because next episode like all right well now he's council member what's gonna happen he's got a he's got an army of white dudes Um, i mean you make it you make a good point that you know if we take BB at her word as a follower of Valerie Solanus, then her philosophy obviously is fundamentally at odds with, you know, Kai being the head of this cult. And so we, we have to reconcile a little bit what exactly their agreement is or why they're working together if she is indeed who she says she is. And again, I also agree with you that I hope that she is because right. I, I mean, that totally it ruins like kind of the, the story she of gave. A whole exactly. Episode. Like but a waste yeah, of a so, flashback if it wasn't even true. <laughs> right, exactly. So I'm going to wait and see, but that that's my thoughts. What, what yeah. were your thoughts on on, uh, on, Lena? The, the, on Lena? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I I kind of agree. With, well, I definitely agree with you. The the final scene with the uh, hallucination of, of Andy Warhol I, was great. Like, Lena did a really good job. And I think that's more of, like, her actually, like, you know, this is also – it's what I was going to say earlier is it's, it's – um, I not ironic. It, it's it's smart that Lena Dunham was chosen for this because she is quite the outspoken feminist um, in our modern society, societal culture, uh, pop culture. So and she's not on the lines of Valerie uh, Solanus, but um, but she's kind of as is so cliche to say these days, a voice of a generation. Um, but she but she was quite. Um, um, 
vocal about Hillary Clinton and women and women's rights and Planned Parenthood, you know, all these things that feminists uh, stand for. Uh, most feminists, I should say, stand for. So it was great to have her in this role. I thought that was smart. It was fun, and it was kind of like a twist on like, all right, well, you, you think she's a feminist? We're going to send you know, her to Valerie Solanas uh, area territory. Yeah. Um, but um, so everything before that final, the final sequence was her like hitting the marks of like, this is kind of, this is like heavy and it's kind of real. Like what she's saying really rang true to today, which is crazy because it's supposed to be happening in the sixties. Right. So it's, which is just, especially with the whole Harvey Weinstein, like all this, that's just, it's really sad and kind of, funny in a way that that we're dealing we're doing a flashback and it's still relevant isn't it isn't it interesting the show has very i think incidentally just kind of been on the i mean obviously they were doing politics this season that was part of it but you know you have the mass shooting scene and then you have the you know stuff about the sexual abuse and and like feminism in this episode it it was very on the pulse and i don't even think in many ways it was intending to i think these things would have happened whether these other things in right real life happened outside of it so it's just kind of fascinating that they are coinciding right which if there's a big takeaway from this season and it's this stuff is still happening and it's like this was supposed to be satirical or a joke and oh no it's happening um before i forget though back to lena um before like everything before that her like speaking in the hotel room to the group where women had to pay a dollar but men had to pay 250 it's like a vegas club um i saw it as hannah horvath playing (laughs) um uh valerie solanus uh in uh like a coffee shop art installation live art piece or something like that which i like because yeah. it was campy i don't know well, if that's that, what she was going for or what but it was, but it was very hannah horvath oh i absolutely agree i think Hotel. that's why <laughs> honestly i think so and i say this even as somebody who watched girls and enjoyed it is i mm-hmm. did i do feel Me like too. though lena dunham as an actress is not really an actress. I think she's Lena Dunham playing Lena Dunham with a different name most of the time. And that's how I felt about Valerie Salinas for the most part was like she was doing a poor job of Lena Dunham playing Valerie Salinas for the first three quarters. And then I feel like when she's kind of breaking down and actually giving that monologue kind of at the end, it's like it doesn't matter whether she's Valerie Salinas or Lena Dunham. It's like a relevant, powerful monologue regardless. It and was. that's why that worked. But up until that point, it just you, it's like you could feel her acting. You know what I mean? You don't get that kind of separation between actress and character. Um, and that's that's part of what bothered me. So, uh, oh, man. Um, All right. So, obviously, you know, that left us in an inter- interesting place moving forward. The last thing I wanted to say before um, I wanted to say, and you can you know, throw in whatever you want before you give your review is, uh, what the hell happened to Oz? We had all these theories about how involved he was going to be, and you know he was a huge player in this and all that stuff because that's kind of how the show framed it. But he hasn't been in like three or four episodes in a row now, so are they going to bring him back in and still have some meaning? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of funny because there was also that that reminds me of when um, Harrison's dying. Um, she's like, you, you know, like look what you did to your wife or whatever. <laughs> He's like, oh, we want to talk about our wives now or our partners? And she's like, I just drove my wife crazy. I didn't get her killed. Yeah, um, that's way better. Anyway, yeah. Also, where's your son? You drove your son crazy, too. Your poor kid. Uh, anyway, I'm assuming she's just at Ivy's parent, or he's, Ozzy's just at Ivy's parents' house. I don't know. Right, yeah. But, like, something's got to happen there, right? The kid was drawing Twisty the Clown on the paper, and, like, he, they were inoculating him to fear and all that stuff. It seems like there's got to be – that had to have been a for a reason. Thing. If we get to the end of this season and some of this, this stuff – is just floating. I'm going to be frustrated, but you know, we'll talk about that then. Um, any other thoughts? And uh, what do you give this episode? Uh, <clears throat> I would say, <clears throat> excuse me. Sorry, we don't have a cough button on this. Um, I really liked this episode. I thought it was fun. Like it got so weird, but it didn't get. It didn't go too far over the top. You know, like I was telling you, I loved it when Francis Conrad showed up. That's already going to bump it up a few notches for me. Um, I love her character. I love that we had a flashback that had a very like weird ass revisionist history of um, the Zodiac Killer, which is one of I- I'm from the Bay Area, so like I mean obviously I don't remember this, but I know Vallejo, I know like various and all that stuff. So I was like, oh my god, we're going to Zodiac territory, and that would just made me like smile. And I- anyway, I had fun, and then I I wasn't as necessarily scared. Um, but there was horror elements in this um, 
you know, with a lot of the murder scenes, and it was so. And and for for also for an episode that's basically a flashback of people sitting around talking and then murdering a bunch of people and sitting around talking for a lot, um, and in the present tense, sitting around and talking. I thought it moved the story along into a very interesting place that I'm excited to see what happens next, especially with the reveal at the end. So I would give this episode, and I feel like I've been doing this for the last three, but this is a, oh, now, I don't, now that I've talked about it, I might give it a little bit higher. I'm going to give this 4.25. Four and a quarter. Ooh, four and a quarter bottles of rosé. That's the highest one I've given so far. That's high, it was just yeah. fun. I like yeah. it. You know what also I liked briefly, like, and it just, this doesn't, this is not on the same level at all, but do you remember when we got the episode with the name game where it was just like yes. a fun little thing? This 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 is not on that level. Don't get it twisted. Like I'm not saying that this was that, but it was kind of this like fun like, you know, all this cult and people died. It was like, and then we had a mass shooting last week, and now it's like this at least seemed that had a little element of fun in it. That's a good I point. That. I didn't even think about that. Like when you get a season that's so dark, sometimes a little little light, just a little can, levity, can <laughs> just make a difference. It's fine. Mm-hmm. So. I kind of, you know, I express my opinion of this episode um, in that I was not a huge fan for a a large part of it. I feel like, you know, I liked Evan Peters as Andy Warhol, personally. I liked the final Lena Dunham kind of monologue. I liked some of the themes that they were coming through with. I love seeing Frances Conroy again. I felt like her showing up and stuff was maybe a little bit contrived. Um, I am a little, I'm still a little worried that... We're gonna descend into these flashback series that are we're gonna you know just I'm because they want to just because they want to yeah. show old cult leaders it's gonna be something where we're gonna really force these to fit in with the season somehow bring you know Charles Manson and Jim Jones and all these I hope that they are at least if they're gonna do that that they're very clever about it I will say that I was probably a three on this episode up until the Whoa. reveal at the let at the very end and I was like. And that was like, holy shit, maybe maybe I'm completely wrong about this. Maybe there's a lot more layers to it than I'm realizing. And that really flipped me. Um, I know that some rub some people the wrong way, but it, for, it, I think it had to do with where I was coming from so far in the episode. It boosted it. it like, at, like, that twist almost made me bump it to a four in my mind. Whoa, so that's a big jump. I think in there I'm going to split the difference and give it a three and a half okay, rosé cool. bottles. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm optimistic that they're, because the, I mean, because the writing this season has been pretty good, I really hope that there is intention with the flashback, with what they're doing with BB and all this kind of stuff and the divide. I think you make a really good point about there being, it's important to bring some levity into the darkness because it's, I mean, while it's been interesting to see everything that's happened, we had a mass shooting in the last episode and that's really heavy. And so sometimes, you know. As annoying as I might have found personally, Lena Dunham's uh, Valerie, it was there was some definitely fun and entertaining moments in there. It was like when the Zodiac, uh, the guy who's the Zodiac takes over, that was pretty funny. So, so yeah, great. I I give it three and a half. So I think that's a solid seven, seven and three quarters. And seven, seven and three quarters. Yeah. Yeah. So not bad. Not bad. Not bad. Um, quick preview of. It's our, so funny because preview? like. Sorry, I was gonna say it was really funny though because like this is I feel like we start usually we start off really like fairly strong and then it kind of goes down at least in previous seasons and this one's gone differently. It started like man, all right, and then it's gone. The middle's been strong, so that's cool. I like that. Yeah, good job. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so the preview. Did you watch the preview? I did. Yes. So a couple of key things we see: Kai is acting on the city council, kind of have wheeling some power. We're gonna get some. Um, Background: Our Ali finds out about Doctor Rudy, which seems like it's going to be valuable. We're going to learn about more time. about his relationship with Kai and Winter now, which is something we don't really know about yet. And talking about Winter, we're going to get a backstory on her finally, which I'm very excited about. Apparently, this episode is going to be called "Winter of Our Discontent," which implies obviously that we're going to be getting some winter facts there. Also, We've all it should been be waiting noted. for it. That line, winner of our discontent, is from the Shakespeare play Richard III, which I was in in high school. <laughs> that is nice. about, so that is why I remember that. But it Can't is about a, about um, yeah, it's about a deformed, um, like a, a deformed, like evil genius who basically cons everybody into killing each other and him secretly like killing people till he becomes the king. Um, but it's like he over 
plotted everything and kind of ends up burning the whole system down on accident and it doesn't get a really last um like he had like he'd hoped he would after all his kind of secret machination so maybe that's kind of implying something about you know kai's kingdom being burned down by winter or something like that i think that would be a we'll inter- interesting pun if that is the case but looking forward to it that is for sure um uh, i can't believe we didn't i mean you mentioned this earlier some of the scenes i thought some of the writing in this was really good we would be remiss to say or maybe even ignorant with such a feminist episode to not mention the director was rachel goldberg and the writer was crystal Liu, and both women who did this which oh. would be you know really silly if they didn't do that but that Nor- normally mark cool, it down so. you know what i i realized i had missed the director and writer of this one so thanks for sharing that. yeah that's good yeah, yeah no yeah. problem Cool. Um, and then you also wanted me to remind you that you were going to ask something about Halloween at the end of our episode here. Yeah. Well, now that we have a couple weeks before Halloween, I was going to ask you if there's like, do you have a go-to in terms of a Halloween movie or something that you feel like you have to watch every time, like before Halloween every year? Oh, <coughs> well, I did watch Friday the 13th on Friday the 13th because it happened last week, which is cool. They were all on, on, on demand. Um, as far as no, I always try to watch like whatever comes out in the theater. Um, I kind of yeah. saw it, did that early this year and saw it in September. But um, I know my friends, uh, some of my neighbors are coming over tomorrow night and we're going to watch I DVR uh, Black Christmas because uh, yeah. a lot of them haven't seen that. And that that was I, I, I DVR the remake uh, or the yeah, the remake in like 2000 something. But the original one from 1974 is on youtube if you guys want to watch that so i'm gonna i'm gonna be watching that but i don't really have a go-to i like any slasher film no what about you and the shining is always my uh, uh, go-to so good. it's, it's, it's so my good. it might be my favorite movie of all time it's in my top five if it's not my favorite movie of all time i absolutely love it i love that i get to watch it every year my wife hates it it's fantastic um even though stephen king doesn't like the movie version he right. likes the, i mean so have you read the book version at all I did not read the book, no. There are some interesting differences. I think the movie's fantastic. I think the book is fantastic. I don't have a problem with it. But uh, oh, it's it's one of my favorites. I love it. And yeah. uh, I want to invite everybody. I always look for new things that I haven't thought to watch, whether they're old or new. So if you Ooh, have something recommend that you some go to every year, please, on the comments under this, go ahead and share what your favorites are. And uh, maybe we can even check Especially if they're on Netflix or Amazon Prime. <laughs> <laughs> Or any of the streaming services, yes. Any streaming services. Let us know where we can find them. For sure. Okay, Chris, where can people find you between now and uh, next week? Watching scary movies on my couch. (laughs) Bam. Uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram, uh, at Chris Husted, Chris with a K. And you, Tyler? You can find me at TJMoss11 on the Twitters. Uh, Thanks so much for joining us, folks. Catch us on Facebook and, of course, on uh, Gmail. Uh, this American Horror Story at gmail.com. Um, until next week, happy hauntings. Happy hauntings.